Welcome to the Drop Doctors Podcast, your weekly dose of fantasy footy content. Welcome back to another episode of the Draft Doctors. I'm your host, Stevie Fears, and we're talking fact or fiction. We're, we're separating the, the truth from what's what's been spat out there into the media world. Uh, a bit of a different show, so we'll see how it rolls. Uh, we've got a special guest this week, and of course, the best way to add someone to our show is to subtract someone. So it's just me and Stato this week. How are you, old man? I'm very well, actually. Uh, we're uh, deep into two drafts currently, one mock and uh, one the Listener League Keeper. Um, and it's going to be interesting going through all these questions that we got through on Twitter. But I, I will say it's amazing uh, how different everyone's views are on players. I reckon only twice. So I'm basically a, a bookender. So there's about... Um, 19 picks between my next pick. And by the time I've made my last one, I actually basically put down the next two that I would like and then substitutes for them in a structure. I think only three times through this draft so far is one of my top two been taken. And isn't that amazing when you consider there's 19 other picks happening so it's quite incredible how different view we all have on players, which is why the game becomes so enjoyable. Yeah, that's probably why people uh, migrate towards keepers once they've had a bit of experience in the draft scene. It, it just it allows for different strategies. It allows you to take a different path. And um, you can really build a narrative as to what's going to happen down in the future as well as what you're playing for that particular season. Yeah, absolutely. And the amazing bit, we only keep 12 on here, and I'm always surprised how many first-year players get picked because the reality, each season with only 12 keepers, there's only one or two that ever get kept. So everyone's first year, unless you're Michael Barlow, you're actually not putting anything that's really fieldable. Um, There might be a couple of streams. There might be an Errol Goulden um, pop up and give you four or five good scores for the season, but that's about it out of a first year player. So it's actually amazing, you know, in a keeper with a small amount of keepers that so many first year players go. Well, I'm not sure about that because it's the FOMO, right? Like I'm like playing on the top shot on, on all that sort of stuff, and it's like the whole the whole thing is engineered around fear of missing out like you don't want to miss out on this you don't want to miss out on that like what if things go crazy and, and I think it's that that drives uh, coaches towards holding these guys who may not put out a fieldable score till their fourth year yeah yeah I mean there's always going to be one or two so I'm not surprised there's you know people like Dacos going off the board early that totally makes sense he's going to be Potentially, we hope, let's hope injuries don't impact or whatever, but he's potentially going to be one of the best fantasy players, uh, if you look at his junior numbers, in the competition in a short period of time. So that's fair. But when you're getting up to, I've probably seen about 25 go. That's a huge number. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, we are talking the, the fact or fiction this week. We are breaking down the myth from the reality. I've seen so many... Uh, Twitter accounts set up 
Stato that are, are sort of relaying news and coach speak from media sessions that, that all the players and coaches are doing at the minute. Everyone's doing well. Unless you unless you're injured, in which case you're recovering better than ever, uh, you're having a great preseason and everyone's in the midfield and everyone's having a everyone's come back in terrific nick and, and they're progressing well, blah blah blah. All this sort of stuff. We know it's not all true. Yeah, we of course. So, some there to build up confidence. I, I heard Xavier Ellis on with uh, Selby actually talk that obviously some coaches, some clubs have some strategy to build confidence with players. So if we talk about how well you're going, then that lifts your confidence. So there's some talk out there from clubs that probably don't relate to what we hope it does, being fantasy output. But the reality is, You've got to sell memberships. You've got to sell hope. You've got to sell hope to corporates, all those type of things. So you don't sort of see coaches go out in pre-season. They're talking, oh, no, no, it was a crap crap session tonight. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah Joel Selwood's not that good, is he? I, I, he, he might actually, he, he, he might be. What, what's the word you use with Joel Selwood? Washed. 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 Fraud. <laughs> fraud, that's it. He's a bit of a fraud, that bloke. So you never hear that. Because it, they're all upbeat, they've got to be. It's actually part of a coach's role is to sell the club. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll be breaking all the. We asked it on Twitter. We we got some listener questions and feedback because obviously we know everything. So we're just going to help you guys out along the way. <laughs> <laughs> so the listener league we're drafting this week. Uh, the no lift draft draft is taking place in Melbourne. So um, that's going to be a, a whole lot of fun. We've got the, the draft kit still available on the website. I believe there's a rankings date happening, a rankings update happening this week. So um, we'll hopefully have something there. And of course, the mock draft simulator, you can get to that via the website as well. All those great products. Just keep the show running. Just help us out. You know, we do it for you guys. It's all, it's all fun. I mean, we do it for our own mental health as well. But uh, there's a bit of news this week, Stato, and potentially. Someone's M1, F1, and D1, potentially, all got injured in, in, in Sam Walsh, Aaron Hall, and Mitch Duncan, all battling away. Yeah, it's, this is the competitive beast in me. Um, I went straight away. Why didn't you guys all do it at round one, seeing I was going to have none of you? But um, look, at the end of the day, it, it, it's tough, but the game we're talking about, it's less important. So... Bit of hamstring tightness for Aaron Hall, uh, although we know he's had a, a long run of uh, soft tissue injuries over his career. At the end of the day, um, hamstring tightness is going to be well over four weeks' time when round one happens. So he'll be right as rain. Um, but it just gives you that sort of little warning. Uh, Sam Walsh um, looks like he's probably going to miss four or five rounds. Um, we know they can be a little bit longer sometimes, but the reality is it's the team you want to finish with. So you actually have them for the whole year. So if someone misses one or two rounds, it's no biggie. In your, in your draft team, they're going to be there fighting when it's uh, important for you. It's, this is not salary cap. You keep them, you have them for the whole year. So it's it's not shockingly bad. Mitch Duncan, I, I do think is a concern. So... Um, this is a couple of years, hitting that 30 mark and starting to have the old man injuries. I think this is calf again, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's – it's look, it's a little bit of a worry. But 
at the end of the day, if he does get on the park, you know he's going to score well. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd just be certainly dropping him down those rankings. I think we all had him one or two sort of around that mark uh, as a forward, but we always had that question mark. This is just a little reminder to say um, there's going to be some issues this year. So he'll be dropping down the rankings for me. Yeah, I just remember Brett Delidio. He was like an Iron Man stato, an Iron Man, and then once that calf set in, that was it. It really was it. Yeah, never so, got back. No, nah, absolutely, and um, it was a set. Probably sad to see a good player go out like that. Anyway, we're hitting up the twitters for the listener fact or fiction. We're going to break them down. Uh, there's a few just straight out statements, stato. So maybe um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll work through it. Interesting, Joel. He says, Lockie Weller, seagulling down back hall style in a sun side, conceding 80 inside 50s a week. Do you think there's a world where that happens? Wow. Lockie Weller. I've moved Lockie Weller up. I've got him quite high. He's, he's F14 for me now. Oh, wow. That is, um, that is lifted him up. Um, look, I've got him in a keeper. Uh, I like him as a player. But I always, always a little bit worried when you've got a side. And I think North Melbourne's heading there. I think the Swans are heading there. There's an argument to say um, that Adelaide are heading there when they've got so much young talent that it's going to impact some people's roles because you need to get experience into them. I'm actually looking at Collingwood right now. So there's a couple of players, uh, McRae and Poulter, who I think have really got some big upside. But you keep on looking at all the players coming in. There's only two spots available. What are happening for these players? And they need to get game times into them. This means there's some fringe or some players that had good roles prior that will have lesser roles. So I'm a little bit worried about Lockie Weller. Uh, I know they got him on a big price tag, and I do think he's a quality uh AFL player, but he's not going to be the level some of these young stars are. So you look at um, Sharp, um, had a really good start last year uh, and is burning the track up pre-season. There was some nice footage of him over the weekend as well, uh, having a long run along the wing and kicking a beautiful goal. So I just just a little bit worried about how consistent his role is going to be. But obviously, being an owner, I'm hopeful. Yeah, I've got him locked in as, as the main distributor out of that back line. Oh, wow. Oh, that'd be very enjoyable. Yeah. Frio asks, Titch being sidelined somewhat with Mitchell focusing on the kids, now have a vested issue in this, seeing he's picking it too and considering him. We've heard this one a fair, hear this one year after year, Stato. They're going to blood the kids. The old guys are out. Yeah. Well, my my only concern, um, and I think they're building hope at Hawthorne because let's face it, they had a shocking season on the scoreboard. Yes, they finished A-OK, but not what people's expectations are for the Hawthorne Football Club. So again, part of that... Um, selling of the club is this is a new era this is about the kids we're bringing in a heap of talent and i and i will say there was a heap of talent coming up um before sam took the role so will day looks really impressive 
um, if he can get his body right. So there are some talent there. But the one that concerns me with Mitchell, so I was so hot that he was my number one midfielder. I just thought they're going to plonk him there and let the kids learn around him. Um, what concerned me was when Mitchell, uh, as in Tom, was actually speaking to the traders, um, he was talking the pig thing up, but then said, oh, my role this year will be midfield and forward. So that was alarm bells. So you're half going to get horsed. Hmm. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, okay. I didn't hear that. Yeah, so as soon as he said, oh, I'll spend some time up forward as well, that was a little alarm bells. This is not increasing his game time to 100%. So you're yeah. so good, we're going to rest you forward. He's going to share the role. And the idea will that be is we need to get Josh Ward games. We need to give Josh Ward midfield time. Uh, we need to get Finn McGuinness in there. It's all those... It's it's not about those kids going in and being 100% midfielders. It's about giving time. So what I'm saying is uh, Tom Mitchell will probably do 82% to 85% game time, but possibly 30% of that's been sent up forward. It just brings down his ceiling. I wonder what happens like five weeks in when the Hawks are getting the shit kicked out of them. Yeah, yep. And the kids maybe are... The tongues are wagging a little bit or something. Yeah, absolutely. We'll or maybe or, maybe or you get one or two like... injuries as well. So, um, yeah. you know, John gets a, gets an injury. He's always had problems with those knees. Um, you only need that and shields down. All of a sudden, you've only got two sort of senior bods being Mitchell and Warple in there. And I think part of their problem as well is a lot of those, uh, the old boy midfielders, very same same. And I think that's an issue. You need to vary up the mix. And and that's my biggest thing holding back Warple. And and maybe that's the reason why Tom might spend some time up forward is Warple and him are very similar. And you remember the year Warple did really well, I think it might have been his second season or third season, one or the other, was when uh, Tom had a broken leg because all of a sudden he replaced him and played exactly the same role. Yeah, but he can't find the ball on the outside or use it as well. So yeah, yep. Limitations. He's not a Brownlow medalist. No, Simon exactly. Simon asks: Perception seems to be a defender who starts getting the kick-ins will always get a scoring bump, even though they can't get potential plus sixes from receiving the yeah. kick-in. Is this fact or fiction? Oh wow, it's a good point. You can't. But you're not always guaranteed you're getting the plus six, so you're not always going to be the person they're kicking it to. Um, yeah, and I there's do. always that outlet kick that is kick it to the ruckman. If you've got Grundy or Gorn, that's where you're kicking it to. Um, so you've got to guarantee uh, three points when you kick in. You've got a potential plus six when you kick in, but if you only get it once every five times, you're effectively only getting 1.2 or 1.33 points rather than three points, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think the kick-ins, we kind of overblow it a little bit. It just kind of means that you're going to be the distributor out of the back line to me. That, that's sort of the thing. It's, yeah. not, just, it's not, not just the kick-ins. It's you might be the person they look to chip it to to then set up the next kick as well. Um, maybe it gives a it, – it's a good differentiator between, like, say, picking 
um, oh, Christian Salem and Daniel Rich. Well, Melbourne Salem doesn't traditionally have the well, he doesn't at the minute have the big kick in share. So he might go, well, I'll just take Daniel Rich because I know he's locked in to say twelve points a week from kick ins. That's that's kind of yeah. the way I'd look at it. Yeah, and, and there's the, also the other point. You might not be good at winning the footy yourself or you might be getting um, because you're a good kick, so generally they're the better distributors. Um, you might have someone closing you down when you're in general play. So if the team has 12 kick-ins and, and you take 10 of them, there's 30 points before you even start, even though you're getting closed down. Yeah, someone like uh, a Lukosius last year is a good example who doesn't really didn't really read the ball particularly well. Didn't take. Well, I mean, he took some must, but he really needed those kick-ins to be viable. Otherwise, he was a lost cause. Yeah. Uh, Ninja yeah. asks changes to the tackles, holding the ball, free kicks to have negative impact on hit-out scoring rucks. So there'll be more free kicks paid instead of a stoppage, I guess is what he's saying. Yeah, so the the high tacklers could potentially get uh, a few more um, plus fours. And what I mean by that is the free kick four and then the, the disposal. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a, it's a chance. Um, I, I'm really mindful of these. I think we overreacted last year. We thought the halfback flankers were just going to kill it with the new rules, the the stand rules, etc. Um, the the game finds a way to solve. So you might see a little bit at the start. I think everything is the same. Um, the start of the season, they seem to be quite harsh on the new rules, and then they slowly ease off. So it gets to that happy medium model. So I think. Um, they'll be beneficial to the tacklers. Um, the um, the negative impact on hit out scoring ruckman um, might be slight, um, but again, I'm only probably expecting um, two or three rounds of uh, clubs being pinned for this, and then I think the players will react. So if they know if they get tackled. Um, they'll get pinned. They'll actually make it a 50-50. In other words, make more effort to get the ball out. And that's what I think the change of the rules would be about. Mm. Wuhan says, Sean Darcy to be the highest averaging ruckman, but will only play 10 games or less. This is just a a guess. (laughs) This isn't really what we're going for, but anyway. Sorry, which one of the coaches said that? Wuhan. Was that JL going, look, he's going to be the best ruckman this year, but he'll probably only squeeze 10 games out of him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick up um, Lloyd Meek. Hand, handcuff <laughs> yeah. Lloyd Meek. Um, do, do you really think it's, it's amazing the hype on Sean Darcy? Look, he played some good games last year and he had some good ceiling games, but they were all against Chrissy Burgess and, yeah, and those absolutely. types. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be a really good, solid ruckman, especially if his body holds up, which is sort of the part that you, the point that you're making. So I, I like him as a player, but I'm never hunting him in any keeper, any redraft 
comps, I'm actually looking someone that I feel like I'm going to get a better week-to-week performance from. The only reason I like him is you know he's locked into the number one ruck roll. And he, and, oh, no doubt. And, he, and he's not in a timeshare. It's just lobble, pinch hit. You know, it's a it's a good role. Like if you wanted Riley O'Brien over Sean Darcy, I wouldn't I wouldn't bat an eyelid at that. I loved him early on. I thought his data as a really young ruckman. In fact, it might have been five or six years ago. I did something on the draft doctors with regards his um, his scoring was akin to Brody Grundy as a as a yep. young man. Yeah. Um, but ever since we sort of made that statement, um, his body just hasn't lived up to um, ensuring that he could keep developing his game. So if he had a clear run for the last three, four years, I'd love to see how good he is because he's always shown potential. Yeah, he's yeah. those good games are against the bad team. He is very good in Supercoach, I will say. Like, really, really good. Yeah. Um, pack and send. Has a few questions I'll pack and send, so we'll go. Th- we'll break them down. Near every player on Port's list will play midfield in twenty two, and to man, you yep. s- you're seeing it, hey. And to be honest, Port are probably one of the most transparent clubs. Yeah, absolutely. I-, I think there's a there's a couple of points real, but I think what they're trying to do um, is uh, I think they got found out in the final where they didn't have solutions when their midfield was getting flogged. So I think what they're doing as a club, and this is sort of talking um, through it as well, is saying we need to have different options. Like we need to have elite pace. So going in there with Ollie Wines, Boak and and Drew is a very same-same, good, strong, honest midfield group. But sometimes you need something a bit X-factor. So this is why they keep talking about all these different individuals. So this is part fact and part fiction. So the fiction is part of it is the reality. There's not going to be more than six that have bulk minutes, but there will be different ones going through. But I think there will be, instead of the four they had last year, I think there'll be six. And I think you'll see um, Zach Butters being a 50% midfielder, 30% forward and 20% on the bench. Now that's going to lift his scoring, but um, there are certain players in that mix that because of his injection into the midfield will actually lose a bit of their time as well. So what they're going to do is keep the opposition guessing because we can put different mixes in that forward line, uh, into that midfield. And, You'd have to imagine that's going to change week to week. Wait. Yeah, it would be people rotating through depending on opponents. Oh, and I would say, like, you know, if you, say, blast someone through there for four weeks in a row who's not Ollie Wines, let's say it's Butters, who's this would be his first taste of bulk midfield minutes, he might just go, well, yep. we need to back him off for a couple of weeks. We'll give him yep. 25%. Willem Drew gets a little bit extra now. Blah, blah, blah. So if they're going to do that sort of thing, to me, that makes it really murky. Yes, you can like the guys who have the non-midfield status a little bit more, but um, to me, it makes those guys like Boak maybe a bit harder to own. Willem Drew basically becomes a pass. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And you will find that 
they might, with the big boys in there, they might be just bullying a team in the midfield one week. They won't rotate too much that week because they've got the upper hand, if that makes sense. But what they're creating in there, in there is a really good mix of variety, which is finding the way to beat every side's midfield. That's what they're trying to do. What I find really hard about this is um, with a guy like Zach Butters, uh, and maybe even Connor Rosie to a lesser extent, is once you start ranking these guys at F7, which everyone loves Butters, man. Like, they fucking love him in the fantasy footy community. So that is where he that's will start me. getting... Yeah, but that's where he'll start getting drafted. He hasn't done that sort of thing over a consistent basis. You've baked in all the value when you start picking him there. Yeah. So to me, that's where it becomes tricky. Yeah. And, and the interesting part to me too is when we talk about keepers of how heavy they go some weeks. Um, and what I mean by that is does he end up losing his forward status because all of a sudden his value will plummet. But if he keeps that perfect mix where he retains forward status, he could be uh, one of the top six forwards for the next eight years. Yeah. It's, man, it's going to be interesting. Well, and if his body can sustain it. Yeah, well, and, and that's um, that's always going to be a risk with him with the way he plays. Yeah. Uh, so also from Pakistan, would love to know your thoughts on Jack Lukosius with King going down as he's been on an upward trajectory playing near every game for the last three years but seems to rate poorly with some people. I'm out on Lukosius as a forward. but Yeah, I'm gone too. Yeah. Um. Well, you have it, to imagine it doesn't mean he doesn't prove us. Sorry, mate. I was just going to say, Casbot will just take King's role, and you would imagine, or or whoever fills it in, like Lukosius' role isn't going to change. He'll be the lead out forward. Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, he could prove us wrong. So he could become um, good personality, Tom Lynch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, what are you getting at that point? Like, if he does that, his defender status this year, um, you know, good personality time was an 85 forward, which is good for a forward, but an 85 defender, meh. Yeah, yeah. Meh. Yeah, yeah, that hurts him the most this year. Yeah. Obviously, he picks up forward status, say, six weeks in in some leagues. Uh, some year, Some leagues will be the year after, but... I mean, you can't score as good in... Uh, Sorry, I, I, never, I never got to ask you. Are you feeling betrayed? By what? What's, what's going on? Um, that Supercoach are, are changing positions. Yeah, it's fucking weak as shit. I've got to be honest, I reckon it's weak <laughs> as piss. As soon it. as I heard, I mean, I... I, I don't seriously play this game by any stretch of the imagination. It's not me, and I don't do any time or research, but as soon as I heard that, the first first person I thought was you, and I felt like I should, probably should have done it. I should have sent you a message and going, so you're finally on AFL Fantasy bandwagon. They've burnt you this bad now. Send, send me a, um, some flowers and a condolences card. That's <laughs> <laughs> 
I, uh, I sort of come around on it a little bit, but I, I don't. I, I, the thing I liked about Supercoach is they hadn't made outlandish changes, which I liked in AFL Fantasy because I like having two different models. Like, I like one that just like, yeah, we're not okay, going to change okay. the salary cap. Yeah. We're not going to change this. We're not going to do anything. And I like that Alpha Fantasy are different. And they're going, well, we're changing this. We'll make it more involved. We'll keep yeah. you more um, whatever. So I Engaged. Liked, yeah, yeah. I, I liked having the two different models. And um, to me, it, it's it's clear that, uh, I, well, I don't know. I didn't like it. I'll put it that way. Anyway, that's how it is. Our, our uh, draft league won't be adding that format <laughs> position changes off yeah fair enough uh, what's next mate frogger asks riley o'brien soldiers on soldiered on with niggles last year can you see him as a top three four ruck i actually moved um, him up to my r- sh- i moved him to r4 this week um and he'll be moving up for me too um and, and i'm hot on rob uh, to be quite honest with you, um, even in salary cap. Um, and it's because of his value, but uh, all the words are he's um, um, really got sparked up from last year. He was disappointed with his own performances, worked hard. Um, the only thing I can say is just be careful. Don't watch his running style too much. Oh, it's horrendous, isn't it? I think we made the mm. joke last year. He was like that. His turning circle was like that boat that got stuck in the Panama Canal. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, he is good value on better. Probably it's a, it's a, there's a bit of value on draft day. I think we've just pushed the late ruck narrative so much that rucks are actually starting to slip a little bit. So Frogger also asked, and I've changed my strategy this year. I, yeah. I, I've actually gone early on rucks in every draft so far this year. Yeah. So Frogger asks, Isaac Heaney, talk of genuine mid-time. Looking at the Swans lineup, do you see it happening? 100% yes, I see it happening. Yeah, this is probably one of my... We, we sort of talked about this a little bit last week, I think, and this is probably one of the stronger ones that makes a lot of sense. <coughs> there's uh, there's quite yeah. a bit of opportunity there. Callum Mills, bad preseason from all reports with um, mm. injury issues. He's gone flying down the ranks this week. Yeah, he does need to, doesn't he? Sadly. Yeah, I think he's in the MP. Again, owners owners like me, just be patient. Uh, after the buys, it'd be red hot again. Just uh, opposite to last year. He started off blazer glory and, and sort of died away a little bit. Uh, but the exactly opposite this year. Where do you move Heaney to? Um, well, I, I had a lot of concerns about all the top-ranked forwards, um, to be quite honest with you. Um, role was an issue. Injury was an issue. So you're talking Mitch Duncan. Um, I actually went through the list the other week, if you remember. Um, so this one injury, this one role, this one jail. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you made that um, joke. And it hit. <laughs> yeah, that, remember that one? Remember when Daddy hit the referee? Yeah. Um, but uh, so uh, I, I want to see the preseason, but he's probably going to hit the top three for me. Wow! Yeah, again, so in he, that he's, value. He, he's shown some big ceilings when he's done this before. Yeah, does love a so, tackle. Yeah, 
He does. That's interesting. Lucky he's not trying to hit out to advantage. <laughs> yeah, it's um wow. Top three, that's huge. Anyway, Sicily, also from uh, Frogger. Sicily, a lot of salary cap hype. Also for wits to a lesser extent, but record first up off ACLs is not great. Uh, thoughts? Yeah, Froggy is spot on. Um, I will say I, I'm usually coming back for a knee. Um, I don't listen, but maybe this is a little bit of old thinking. So um, the science, um, the the actual uh, rehab side of things is so much better now. So we, we're better at the strength and conditioning. So we ensure that we've got um, a lot more safety and a lot less chance to re-injure. Um, but I, there's another part with Sicily is that he was ready to go late last year. So it's not as if he's rolling back at uh, month 10 or 11. He's actually looking at the 18-month model. So he's had all that prep time. So I was a bit nervous early, but the more I think about that, the more comfortable I am um, to actually look at Sicily because you're going to get him as a bit of a bargain. But unfortunately, because of the salary hype, because he's so cheap, um, he may get pushed up the ranking boards a little bit. Um, The other bit is wits. Um, I have a bit more of a concern for wits. So he hasn't had the 18th month. So I think it was around four or five last year he went down. He's effectively still in his rehab round three, Steve's telling me. Um, You didn't have to leave your middle finger up for an extra 20 seconds afterwards. (laughs) Um, And then then he's uh, he's still finishing his rehab because of that time period. So you're less than 12 months. And the fact of what uh, a ruckman's role is, is you bash and crash and jump and crash. So there's a lot more risk. So you see quite a few more um, uh, knee injuries and ankle injuries because of the way they land, etc. So two people landing together quite regularly as they've gone at each other. So I won't take the risk on wits. I'll let that pass. But my mind is easing, and it's probably a bit to do with salary cap, but my mind is easing a bit more on Sicily. Yeah. Do you think any of that has to do with the fact that, like, you sort of touched on it with wits and the the jumping and bash and crash, but if you're in this sentiment, he's essentially a sentiment, you're getting around the ground, whereas Sicily's role is reading of the play. So he can set himself up to move to, to where the ball is rather than... Um, adjusting around the ground, if that makes sense. Yeah, look, at the, at the end of the day, he still leaps a lot for his marks. And whenever you're leaping a lot, it's a very competitive game. You just need that little half push or the that little bump or the contact with someone else to land uh, awkwardly. Um, and at the end of the day, we can all land awkwardly, but we need the strength of the body not to cave in to create a, an ACL injury or a PCL injury, etc., etc. Um, and a lot of it's technique and knowing how to react. Um, 
but you are right in saying there's less chance of interference for Sicily than there is for wits. I'd also, like, I'm completely out on wits, and I've been pretty open about that. I look at, actions speak louder than words, Stato. Look at all the moves Gold Coast have made. They've brought in tolls through free agency, through the draft. Uh, that that They know that's their weak point on their list. They don't need Wits to rank, to, to ruck 85% of the game. He, he can be like a Nick Nat, do 60%. They can have Chol jump in. They can have Casbolt jump in. They, they don't have to look after Casbolt's body at this point of his career. Like They can send these guys through. Um, Mac Andrew probably maybe plays a couple games this year, probably doesn't do much. But they've brought in guys who, who can spell Wits more. And I look at a guy like Nick Nat, and I realise they're different players, but West Coast has completely backed off his game time. Yep. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Frio asks, Melbourne ruck situations haven't been following it closely, but depending on what happens there, Gorn has a massive range of outcomes. And honestly, Stato, we, I've seen some wild takes on Luke Jackson this season. Yeah. Um, I just think it's, it's 10% either way. So I think Gorn probably goes down 10% of scoring and Jackson goes up about 10% of his scoring. Um, it's a slow build. Um, uh, Gorn's still your, your main man. And part of that is Jackson can play a really good role forward. So what they love is they've got both of them. And they don't want to lose both of them. And one's a better forward. Um, than the other, um, and that's the way they'll play it. I think Gorn will still get some time up forward. Uh, I think one of the games he kicked three or four goals in the finals um, and, and looked really good, but that wasn't just being up forward. That was him playing a dominant ruckman. Um, so I think that'll build, but it's why I'm a little bit cold on Gorn because I just think he'll lose his ceiling a bit. Yeah, he's probably not someone I'm targeting in drafts, but uh, I think Freo hit it on the head. There, there is a range of outcomes there. So maybe if you wanted yep. a piece of that situation, you take Jackson late in your drafts, but yeah. So can I, I'll just actually take you through something. I'll see if I can come it up. So um, we're doing a, a mock keeper um, for, for the Keeper League podcast, um, but I ended up getting... Um, I went early on a ruck, and the ruck I got was Maxi Gorn. I think it was about pick 21. Um, so most of the prime midfielders are gone. I had Jack still early. Um, so I ended up going that pick. And the idea was that at about round 16, 17, I was going to pick Jackson as a forward. Well, that was never happening, man. That, that's never happening. Uh, um. And guess who took him um, and have a think of what position do you reckon he should go in a startup keeper? Oh, if it was me, I would have said eight or nine. I know he's gone before that because I'm in the same mock, but... Oh, right, right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, of course. I, I, I actually thought about it and I thought I'll, I'll, I'll probably do this early. I'll get one really good and I got Tyron, um, one really good forward and then I'll start looking at these multi-position guys, you know, can you sneak a 
an English and then a Jackson, you know. So I was looking at probably around pick 80. Um, so you're talking uh, end of seventh, start of eighth, because I've got the, the bookend picks. Um, Dossie Boy picked Luke Jackson up at pick 43. People so we're talking Luke the Jackson. fifth round. They fucking love Luke Jackson, man. Uh, I what what we don't know here, what we don't know here is whether Melbourne decide this is just the ideal player for us as a footy club. So let's keep him as our forward, and he goes and spends twenty and thirty percent of the game changing up and just absolutely smashing the opposition's number two ruckman. That might be his role for life if they can just always have a really good solid number one ruck. You know what? It's it's completely ingrained in everyone's heads and everyone can buy the narrative because that's the last half of football we've seen for six months. Yeah. Or whatever yeah, exactly it is. Right. You know, that's all we remember. What we forget is that Max Gorn was absolutely kicking the living tits out of the Bulldogs in the first half, but they were getting smashed, right? But that's not going to happen on yeah. a week-to-week basis. They're not going to be backs against yeah. the wall. Hey, let's. this is our roll of the dice that could get us back into it. Yeah, so amazing. I, I really think people are um, overvaluing one <laughs> can, half of football. <laughs> it's a small sample size. Can, that's can all I'm I saying. Just read, can I just read Dossie's... Uh, First five picks, because that's all he's had so far. So Brody Grundy at number three, which I think is a startup keeper. That that's absolutely fine. You've got your number one pitch there. He's got Rowan Marshall at pick eighteen, which I reckon's a great pick because automatically you've got a, a backup ruckman, but you've got your your F one as well. So to me it suits really well. Then he's got this is a startup keeper. He's got Mitch Duncan. He's drafted Mitch Duncan today uh, at pick 23, um, who's gone over the the 30 barrier and done another calf. Um, Then at pick 38, he's got Aaron Hall, um, who has yet to play a full season and uh, has got a bit of hamstring tightness. Now, this is uh, what, what Dossie will say to me is... I've got the FOMO with because I never had Aaron Hall in salary capital last year. That that's it would be just consuming his mind that at one stage of my life I picked Aaron Hall and then he got Luke Jackson. What a fucking so terrible he's still yet draft. to get a midfielder. Oh. Yeah, he's still yet to get a midfielder. You know my whole strategy with that draft stato was just pick mids. I had nothing yeah. else on my mind. I'm like just mids. As far as the eye can see. All the good defenders are yeah, old. Right. No one's going to pick them. They'll just fall in the draft. They'll be fine. Yeah, and defenders are so deep. That's one thing I've found is uh, even now with our listener league keeper and we're up to 230-odd picks, I mean, the, the pickings look thin, but there's still some defenders in there. You go, oh, yeah, you picked up Stephen May, who averaged 72 last year, 230-odd. He's fine, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yep. 
Anyway, yeah. we're not talking about one of your sorry. 74 other podcasts that you got your fingers in. Yeah, sorry, sorry, man, sorry, man. <laughs> oh. and sorry, Dossie, we, we shouldn't, no. no, we should take the piss. No, we should, I tried not to take the piss because he's not a part of the show anymore. Fuck him, he's off. Oh, sorry. He's, 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 he's doing off. his own thing. Um, Fair enough. Like Benedict Arnold before us. Uh, we got Big Cox. Who scored? Who had what Nick Rewald score two hundred against you in a uh, grand final? Stato. Uh, Nick Blakey will take the Jordan Dawson roll down back this year. Oh, is this? Sorry, is this? Um, well, this is Suki Cox. Yeah, Suki Cox. Well, this is an interesting question because uh, Jordan Dawson, of course, switch roles halfway through the year. So to the wing, yeah. Um, and I actually feel like. Um, Stevens might be the one to get Jordan's second half of the year role. I, I think he's perfect for the wing. Um, I'm really interested in Nick Blakey because he's been on the radar for a few years, I'm, I think two or three years, um, and a little bit like the Luke Jackson thing. He he played one half, and I think he got injured at the end of the half, but he had 79 or something like that, and it was on the wing. Um Nick Blakey uh, is a burst athlete and hasn't got a massive tank, and that's what's holding him back. You, you can get over that because we used to say that about Dusty. Yeah, that took a while though, didn't it? It did. So Blakey must be getting close to fifth year. Yeah, I just I wonder about those guys whether they like he might be a super coach option, but I wonder about him in. Fantasy, and I just wonder if we discount Ollie Florence sometimes. Like maybe you know he's been around a long enough; he's done his pre-seasons. Yeah, um, Nick Blakey. There we go. So got him there. Average fifty-nine point seven last year. So there's yeah. nothing to write home about. He's actually only twenty-one. Yeah. So um, yeah, so he's still very young. Um, yeah, he's got some upside, but it's just when it's going to happen. If it happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and what, what ends up being his role? Because there's so much talent in that list now. Does he end up going back and being that third tall? Is that what's actually happening with Heaney going back up, that Haywood and Blakey play those mid-size forwards? Uh, I got no. I, I think there's a lot of question marks at the Swans, and um, yeah, I agree. A lot of those guys have completely unproven. Like you might get a bargain, but I really I struggle to take a piece of them because I don't I don't have enough. I don't have enough evidence. Yeah, um, yep, that's he, fair. He also asked Stringer will be ready for round one for parish owners. Stringer, uh, Stringer I wouldn't be. Right down. I would. Yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about Stringer. So Corbwell back, uh, already a groin complaint, etc. I think he uh, becomes back to being predominantly forward with little pinch hits in the midfield. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give you the hot tip, listeners. When If you take the line, hey, Stringer's midfield time gets reduced from uh, bulk mid-minutes to he gets a CBA to a quarter, let's say, which is still pretty fair. Um, and just plays forward. Don't drop him from, say, twelve to twenty. Drop him to thirty-five. 
That's that's the mm. move. That's that's the move. It's not just going, oh, I'll just drop him a little bit and I might get him. Just drop him fucking massively. Like Michael Walters, like we see every year with these guys who go from midfield to forward, it just doesn't work out. Uh, and he also asks, yeah. Vossi coming out already and saying he'll take the Blues to final this year. Not fantasy relevant, just for shits and giggles. Got to sell. Yeah, it's that selling hope. Yeah, yeah, you got to sell hope. Oh, speaking of selling, uh, Stato, we've got a new sponsor. Depends, adult undergarments. They're, they've come on board. They've heard the show. They think incontinence is an issue of ours. Uh, they're they're right on board. <laughs> Dano, Dano says Stevie Fizz rumored to be giving Wrath at least three sledges come draft day about his breakout contenders. Of course, Dano uh, from our home league, who was also on Beauty and the Geek, uh, giving me a little bit of a wind-up there. I'll be slash, slagging everyone off on draft day, as I always do. Coxie. No, wait. That's already passed. Cameron, Big O can still average 90 with Fort. Oh, no. Come on. Um, I suppose maybe super coach. I don't, I don't know what he's scoring. He's pretty good coach. in super coach, but everyone's good in super yeah. coach because it's made up. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny. There was like four, like Grundy was like the fourth or fifth best ruck in super coach last year. And Jono was, yeah, Jono was talking to me this week. He's like, Oh, Grundy's gone like pick nine on the sim. Is that right? And I'm like, wow, he's like the fourth best ruck. Like probably. Mm. Anyway, uh, VB, Rayner doesn't know how to rack up fantasy points. I do want to talk about Brisbane Stato. Go for it. Because there's a lot. Of... All all we're hearing is Rayner's killing it in the midfield. Barry's killing it in the midfield. Bailey's killing it in the midfield. There's guys not even playing yet. Like Zorko's not, hasn't, hasn't touched the park. Like, Yeah, I, I don't think... Um... I don't think Lions has been out there either. Yeah. Like, surely these guys... And they've been playing against each other? Yeah. Hmm. This is a a team where there's a lot lot going on, and I can see guys like Zach Bailey and Cam Rayner getting way overhyped, possibly moving way up people's draft boards and going far too early in in drafts. I, I think Cam Rayner... He can score fantasy points. We've seen it early in his career before that team got decent um, and that he was forced into a more prominent role, which he probably wasn't ready for. He can score. I just wonder when everyone's fit and available what his role yeah. actually looks like. Because he, yeah, exactly he wasn't exactly a running machine and he's had a year out. Like, it's... Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. You haven't heard much about the great humor cluggage this year. Is it no news, good news? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, to me, they're a super interesting team. Uh, I have a hard time trusting these kids. But they might be like Port Adelaide and looking for a different midfield mix, Stato. Yeah. Yep. You're playing your, um, you're playing your I, cards I, pretty close there. The people want something out of you. Oh, all right, so <laughs> this is my verdict. Um, obviously, Lockie Neal plays a more prominent role. I think Jared Lyons uh, will drop between five and ten fantasy points um, just because all of a sudden um, they can't both be going up. 
uh, and I'm quite comfortable at the end of the day that um, uh, that Lockie will be number one and we know he's flying and Jared's got a slight interrupted pre-season. Um, Zorko will be a little bit more forward uh, but be in the mid. Uh, Hugh McCluggage will pop in and out, but I think they like him on the outside. Uh, Jared Berry might get, he'll be the one that starts on the bench and gives them relief. But I think the one that will get a little bit more time, um, and it's just that he'll create a little bit of an X factor for him. Um, he's probably, I would argue, potentially their most talented player, and that's Zach Bailey. Strong Western Victorian connections for Zach Bailey, Stato. So I don't know where that puts Eli <laughs> Smith, who's getting rotation, or Devitt Robertson, but it doesn't take long until one of those guys are out. So if I was to look to the the, the five or six that will be in the midfield, it'll be Lyons, Neil, Zorko, McCluggage, Bailey and Berry. So that's six. Say Bailey gets 10% extra. Is that worth moving him up our draft boards? Uh, just a little bit, yes. Um, he's only going to get better. Let, let's see how old. So he's just turned 22. Yeah. So he hasn't hit his peak yet. He's already relevant, hasn't hit his peak yet. Um, he's a, a brilliant footballer. This... I, I mean, talking potentially an elite footballer. Yeah, but fucking champion data came out this week and said Jeremy Finlayson was elite. I didn't say what champion data was thinking. I was just saying what I think. Stato, Stato just said he is better than champion data. <laughs> Take that, champion data, you frauds. Uh, frauds. No, anyway, this is but, just, no, just the eyes. Oh, wow. The eye test, that's infallible. Oh, what I wanted yeah. to break down was what 10%, 20% midfield time means because this is the narrative we get sold, right? Oh, Finn McGuinness yeah. is going to get more midfield time. Well, that could be... Two minutes. Yeah, exactly. Well, what the fuck does that mean? Mm. Nothing. Yeah. You know, we've seen... We see midfielders go whole quarters and they get one or two touches. Like, mm. And that's good players. So, I... I, Yeah. There's a bit to be done about the breakdown of what midfield time actually means, I think, in the fantasy community. And I think that's where the fantasy community is going. And I think that's where... I'm really interested to see what happens with that. Anyway, yeah. Frogger. Again, Frogger. Jesus Christ. Thank you. Are you Stato's burner? Uh, getting some questions for some content. Ridley, freed up to intercept. Likely to return to early 2021 kick-in levels. Um, I, I think from what I've seen, I think they'll share the kick-in. Um, but yes, he's freed up to intercept. Oh, I, um, Yes, they've got Jake Kelly. Yes, he's going to play the lockdown role, which frees up Ridley. Um, I just want to see where he's at because... I think people's views of Ridley turns to a tier one defender. I think at his best is a tier two. So I probably have him as a, a tier three defender because that defensive type role is not always solid with the scoring. So even Sicily, which people are getting hyped that he's back, 
He could have three good games and then plonk you out of 40. Do you know where they win, Stato, is super coach? Uh, with the, the intercept mark, the intercept yeah. marks, and I sort of called it last year. I think Ridley didn't drop off hardly at all in Supercoach, uh, but obviously fell away a bit in in AFL fantasy. So, um, yeah, that could be the hype. Uh, English expands his ruck role. Um, so I'll answer this question, but uh, I'd like you to take your pick in the keeper that just popped up, mate. Uh, you do that, and we have been going an hour. We promised ourselves this is going to be a short potty um english um i think the the most likely scenario is uh i'm unsure how old stefan is now but I'll, i'll i'll just try and call it up to to find out but he has been starting to get that sort of niggly um bit about so there's only sweets uh um martin and english so he's 35 years of age um, unfortunately, so he's really getting on. <clears throat> Talking seven games last year, six the year before, and he's backing up um, at 35. So you would have to think that they've got to make a choice now. Uh, English becomes predominantly their number one ruckman, um, and Steph may be coming in for certain matchups. So there might be ones they want to shut down, and that might be your Grundy, might be your Gorn, uh, might be your Darcy because he's sort of similar size, sort of big body, um, and then let English go and be the number one ruckman for the rest of those uh, matchups. So that's the way I think it'll be. So I think there'll be an expansion in English's ruck role this season. I was all on the English breakout last year. It didn't happen. Even this, and the scores stayed yeah. the same even when he was the number one ruck. So I have him at F13. Very comfortable with him there. I'll probably miss him in most drafts. If it, the breakout happens this year, wouldn't be blown away. But geez, it's yeah. taken a long time. No, that's fair. Uh, Butters showed the highest ceiling one game. What's his level this year? We sort of talked expansively about Butters already. Tom Mitchell, record yep. in wins versus losses. Talk of time forward, has some riding him off. Good call, bad call. Uh, again, we've sort of talked about Mitchell pretty extensively. Oh, yeah, it just drops his ceiling a little bit. He, he's, you can't ride him off. Yeah, Daniel has Isaac Heaney as a trap and gets next to no mid-time and does his usual 75, which he's done once. <laughs> yeah, that's not usual. Not usual. Uh, he did have three injuries last year. Yeah, we're pretty all about the uh, mean dog this year, by the sounds of it. Yeah. Hard not to yeah, be excited. Look at the dog. rig. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's an extra 15 points before we've even started his game. My God. Ben asked Gresham to play a midfield role resting forward. Ben, I've got bad news for you. Ben. I am fucking out on Jade Gresham this year. Yeah, I'm a... A watch and see. Um, to be, I, I'm not taking him, to be honest. Um, and he might be one that proves me wrong and I'll just go, oh, well, there you go. Yeah, I, I've got him outside the top 30 forwards, even with the adjustments, still have him there. Uh, I don't buy him yeah. playing midfield at all. Even when he played midfield, he didn't score particularly well off the Achilles. No thank you. I don't give a shit how good you look in training off the Achilles once that game time hits. No way. Daniel, 
Kyle Langford dominates as the high half forward gets DPP, <laughs> becomes top six forward, averaging 100 plus. No, my, no, Daniel. No. No. Category B podcast <laughs> asks, Cornelio is fit and will be a 90 plus best 22 player all year, believe it or not. Yeah, I believe it. Um, I think 90 plus. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and yeah, he'll be in. He's fit, so that that's the important bit. I want 18 games and I want 88 plus. Yeah. And that's it, Stato. Um, well, very quickly, we, we've gone an hour. I, I did promise uh, because we ran a little competition to get some dad jokes. So what we might do, um, we've got a lot of these jokes. Oh, that's shocking. All right, so let's a couple of dad jokes. Uh, so this one from Cuzzy. Uh, um, Sunday's uh, always a bit sad, but the day before is Saturday. What? Saturday. I don't even get it. The day before is sadder, sadder oh. day. Yeah, right. Whew. That's a Jeez. ripper. It's a ripper. By the draft. No, they're, by the they're draft dad here. jokes. By they're the... meant to be shocking. Um, I used to hate facial hair, but then it grew on me. That's right. Yeah. I don't That's have to right. think to get that one. That's fine. Yeah, I tripped over my wife's bra. It appeared to be booby trapped. <laughs> uh, everyone loves tits. Um, Bono, so that was uh, Bruzzy's Bulls. Uh, and John uh, was the one with the, the facial hair. But uh, So we'll take about three or four each week. But the person that got the spot, because this was the worst dad joke in history, um, is Rayman. It's the Rayman. Uh, great Tassie bloke, of course. Um, I told my wife she had drawn her eyebrows too high. She looked surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the worst dad joke, and that got the position in the keeper. But we'll actually have a, a dad joke special uh, each and every week until uh, Jono um, finishes the trifecta. Uh, with all bubs done. Well, there you go, listeners. You can watch the Draft Doctors podcast sliding down the chartable ranks each and every week. <laughs> uh, but thanks for tuning in. Of course, check out the uh, website. We got another great article from Matty Faz talking about some great pickups who have got a bit of stank about. That man him. can write. Yeah, he can. Uh, that man can write. He, can. he can't draft. But he can write. Well, he can write. He can draft, but he can't show up to the draft. That's that's the problem. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, uh, yeah. they're good articles. Check out the site. Check out the draft kit. We we very much appreciate everyone's support all through the preseason. Um, it's been fantastic, of course, as usual. Has been great. Uh, I'll report back to you next Sunday, where I don't know what show we're doing, but man, I'll be driving back after a weekend in Melbourne post draft. Mrs. Fizz has already said I have to live in the shed for a couple of days because of the COVID nightmare we live in and her Ooh. intense COVID uh, fantasy state. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Draft Doctors Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review.